Imagine a scenario where you're in the mood for a true crime podcast. You take out your headphones and press play on the first recommendation. You're excited to delve into an eerie and chilling case. Is someone missing? Is there a conspiracy about to be uncovered? As you listen to the beginning, you're met with a startling surprise. The podcast sucks. And now imagine that you're listening to a different podcast, one that exceeds your expectations. The storytelling is well done. The details are thoroughly researched. The music is chilling and unsettling. And then there's the best part. You get to listen to my deep and creepy voice. When you listen to Still Unsolved, you get to join us as we bring the true crime genre back to its roots. Every week, we highlight different cases of missing persons, wanted felons, unsolved murders, and the truly bizarre occurrences of life. Subscribe to Still Unsolved wherever you like to listen to your podcasts and join us. With your help, some of these cases may no longer be an unsolved mystery. You're listening to True Crime Feed. Welcome to True Crime Feed. I'm your chief pod investigator, Angela Ferrari. I've done all the dirty work for you by sampling true crime shows currently trending on the charts to give you my favorite recommendations. I've also dug deep into the archives from the past decade to curate a feed of the best true crime podcasts for your listening fulfillment. On today's show, I will give you a rundown of my top three favorite true crime podcasts currently trending on the charts. But first on the docket, let's do a deep dive dish on a show from the archives I think you will really enjoy. Let's discuss the case for Bad Bad Thing from Podcast One. Here's a synopsis. Janaire Gerardot has a sneaking suspicion that her husband of over two decades is having an affair with his young, beautiful boss. What starts out as a typical adultery tale takes a horrendous turn. It's a story that will leave you asking, was this tragedy preventable? And if so, at what point along the way could it all have been stopped? If you haven't listened to the show yet, I will warn you that Bad Bad Thing reveals the outcome in the first episode. It's my only critique of the show. I would have preferred the story had been revealed chronologically. So that's how I will recap it for you today. And to take your experience of today's episode to the next level, go to truecrimefeed.com and sign up for my newsletter where I curate visual aids to accompany the show. Don't worry, I made sure these images don't spoil the ending. This week's key players are Janaire and Mark Gerardot and Meredith Chapman. Now let's get down to business. Mark meets Janaire at the mall back in the late 80s. They have a rocky start from the get-go. He is passive, naive, and inexperienced, and Janaire was the exact opposite. Confident, direct, and never afraid to speak her mind. Mark wasn't fully ready to commit. He dates another gal, gets dumped, and then has the epiphany that Janaire was the one all along. Not everyone agrees with Mark. Best man Mike warned Mark the night of the wedding that he was making a huge mistake. 
But Mark and Janair got hitched anyway. They were a hot little happy couple with great 90s hair, but their wedded bliss hit some turbulence. Normal everyday fights would turn into epic shouting matches with Janair always getting the last word. Mark would bottle his emotions and try to avoid conflict at any cost until he couldn't hold back anymore. At one point, Mark and his former best man, Mike, go on a trip to Deutschland. And Mark has a whirlwind weekend fling with another woman. This transgression was a devastating blow to Mark and Janair's marriage. After a brief separation and lots and lots of couples therapy, they reconciled. But oh my god, I wish they didn't. Fast forward to 2011, they relocate to South Carolina for a fresh start. Things go pretty well for a little while, but then another rough patch. Janair is suffering from some medical pain and mental health issues. She's having a hard time keeping a steady job. It's at this point, Mark gets an invite via LinkedIn for a job offer in Delaware. It's crazy to think that a few clicks of a mouse on what is essentially MySpace with neckties is what set the course for this entire tragedy to unfold. At his job interview for a marketing director at the University of Delaware, Go Blue Hens! Mark meets the beautiful and dynamic Meredith Chapman. She is 15 years his junior and also his supervisor. He is taken with her and the job. The Gerardos plan their relocation to Delaware. Mark gets a head start and moves first to get established. Janair stays behind in South Carolina. What could go wrong? Mark and his new boss, Meredith, connect immediately over their shared passion for their work. Meredith was a breath of fresh air. Mark loved the feeling of being around her. Janair was immediately worried, warning Mark, don't fall in love with your new boss, please. He did his best to assure his wife, but Mark couldn't help himself. It just kind of happened. Two friendly co-workers go out one night for drinks and things start to feel like an amazing date. They open up more to each other and Mark learns that Meredith is also stuck in a loveless marriage. Here is where I started daydreaming about an alternate reality where this story is a romance and not a tragedy. What if Mark and Meredith had waited for each other? What if they just ended their marriages, clean breaks, and came together the quote right way? Two people who had lived for so long in these dreary gray obligationships get to experience the thrill of full spectrum love. But this isn't a romance and I'm not Jackie Collins. This story does not have a happy ending. Oh my God, you guys, I'm being so dramatic today. Okay, let's go back to the bar with Mark and Meredith. They talk for hours, it gets late into the night, and they share a kiss. Mark feels awful. He doesn't want to betray Janair, but he can't help his attraction to Meredith. It's not right to be together, but it's worse to be apart. And Mark and Meredith fall hard for each other. They become entangled in an affair, expressing their love for one another. Ah, the ecstasy of budding romance. Then Janair arrives. Let's just say Janair immediately finds Mark's distant behavior to be sus. She even flat out asks him, it's Meredith, isn't it? 
but Mark doesn't fess up. He starts living two lives, one with his wife and one with his lover. Janaire repeatedly confronts him with her suspicions, but he won't admit his affair. As a listener, it is absolutely maddening. You will have a really, really hard time comprehending Mark's actions. Why doesn't he just tell her? Does he not want to hurt Janaire? Or does he just not want to be the bad guy? Or is it that he doesn't want to share custody of their adorable golden retriever, Hawk, who's a good boy? I want to mention here that Mark grew up a strict Catholic. Growing up Catholic myself, I thought about his behavior through this lens. The Catholic Church typically preaches extremely high moral standards, but loosely enforces them. Under these conditions, one could learn to develop a pattern of committing a sin, being absolved, and continuing to commit that sin over and over. This isn't a phenomenon exclusive to the Catholic Church, but I don't think I'm alone in observing a disconnect between the life one presents to church and community and the actual life one lives behind closed doors. I could easily see how this particular form of religious upbringing may have affected Mark's behavior. As for Janaire, I have no clue. I've been rooting for her the whole time until now. Mark's out there getting his. Time for you to go out there and get yours, girl. Team Janaire. But you know that's not what happens. Instead of leaving Mark, Janaire starts sewing recording devices into his clothing. You know, fun little arts and crafts project. Janaire also puts a tracking device on Mark's car. But she wants to level up her spy game. So she contacts Meredith's husband, Luke Chapman, and disclosed her suspicions of Mark and Meredith's affair. She needed definitive proof. So Janaire suggests that Luke should put a tracking device on Meredith's car. In my alternate reality romance version of the story, I totally ship Janaire and Luke. But in reality, Luke tells Janaire to buzz off. Oh well, solo undercover mission it is. Janaire sends off Mark's underpants for DNA testing and continues to record him. She also starts recording herself, capturing her deepest, most despairing thoughts. Thoughts that continue to grow darker and darker. The week of Valentine's Day 2018, Janaire confronts Mark with everything. After gaslighting Janaire for months, Mark can't argue with her overwhelming evidence and finally admits he's in love with Meredith. But now Mark is super sus and asks Janaire how she obtained all of the dirty deets on him. That's when Janaire admits she may have been doing a little bit of light stalking, recording, and tracking. Wow, now everything is out in the open. It's probably time Mark and Janaire accept that their marriage is over and go their separate ways, right? Nah, Mark can't bring himself to leave Janaire or break things off with Meredith. Janaire starts a new hobby of recording her epic fights with her cheating husband. She begs him to tell her it's over. Just concede he's no longer in love. But Mark doesn't want to be the bad guy. Janaire's personal recordings on Bad Bad Thing are the most compelling part of this whole series. You hear her spiral in real time as the months of being in this emotional turmoil takes its toll. In her voice, you hear her heartbreak of feeling discarded, like she wasted the best years of her life on a man who was not worthy of her love, 
and now she will never be able to find happiness again. I keep going back and forth with my sympathy for her. There were times I could totally relate to how she felt and understood her descent into madness. Other times I thought she was being a complete self-absorbed asshole. Yes, she has been incredibly wronged, but she also takes zero accountability for any of her own personal choices that shaped her life. The Gerardos try couples counseling. Mark agrees to stop his romantic relationship with Meredith, and Janair agrees to stop secretly recording them. That all lasts about a day. Then on their way to their second session, Mark discovers an active recording device that has been sewn into his jacket. That was the last straw for Mark. He finally decides to file for divorce. The separation process begins. Janair seems to be handling things pretty well. She is amicable to Mark. She reaches out to an old friend and schedules a surgery to help her with her chronic pain. She even gets herself a divorce coach. On the outside, she seems to be picking up the pieces of her life. But in private, she keeps recording Mark and Meredith. Janair is privy to all of their giddy conversations of future plans together. She overhears their excitement of dating out in the open and showing their love and affection. She even spies Mark on the GPS tracker parked at a jewelry store. In her mind, Mark and Meredith were going to get married and have kids and live happily ever after. And Janair was going to end up a bag lady. That thought was too much to bear. Janair refused to let that happen. Then, on April 23rd, 2018, Mark and Janair schedule a cordial dinner together to discuss their divorce agreements. Mark arrives to the restaurant and gets a text from Janair that says she's running late. A few minutes later, another text. It's a picture of an open trash can with a condom wrapper. The area looked familiar. He figured Janair was just being extra and sifting through Meredith's trash. Then another text. You ruined my life. Then Janair's final message. I hope you never find happiness. Goodbye, Mark. I should tell you now that unbeknownst to anyone in her circle, Janair had recently taken up another hobby. This lifelong pacifist and despiser of firearms had bought herself a handgun and started practicing at firing ranges. And when she felt she was ready, Janair took that gun over to Meredith Chapman's house. Meanwhile, Mark was in a panic over the last text. He tries to contact Meredith, but gets no response. He rushed to her house thinking he'd find Janair and Meredith engaged in some sort of shouting match. But that's not what Mark found. Instead, he arrives to see Meredith Chapman collapsed on the floor in her kitchen in a pool of blood. Where was Janair? He soon discovered her in the next room. Janair had executed her revenge plan exactly the way she wanted. She took the life of her husband's new love, and then Janair took her own life leaving Mark alone at the scene of her vengeance. Bad, Bad Thing takes you to the scene of this crime in episode one. 
and Mark is a primary source. We hear how he is managing to exist after everything that happened. The aftermath is its own crazy story. Let's just say Janaire made some pretty bizarre post-mortem demands for her beloved pet cat. There are two amazing bonus episodes to help you decompress with a clinical psychologist named Dr. Romani, who brings key behavioral moments to the forefront to help you recognize pitfalls you may encounter in your own relationships. There's a fragile balance between living your life independently and centering your whole world around your romantic partner. Years can go by where that balance is unchecked, and before you know it, the scales have tipped. Oh my gosh, you guys, we really went through it today. There are so many details I left out, especially when it comes to Janaire's spy antics, but you absolutely have to hear her recordings. This is one of those shows I'm surprised wasn't a global phenomenon. It's all I wanted to talk about after going on such a wild ride. So tell me what you think. You can email me directly at Angela at thetruecrimefeed.com. All emails are read, not all can be replied to. Or join the True Crime Feed Facebook discussion group. Keep an open mind and be kind to fellow True Crime Feed friends. Stay tuned till after the break to hear my top three podcast power ranking of the week. Hey, True Crime Feed listeners, I have a teensy little ask of you. I need your help to grow my audience so I can keep the stories coming. So I'm asking you to take a moment and share True Crime Feed with five friends you think will enjoy the show. Like a fun, awesome pyramid scheme, but you still get to hang on to your money. Cool. And if you want extra gold stars, go to Apple Podcasts and write a review for True Crime Feed. I am an independent one woman show, and you taking a moment to do this will help me grow and compete with the big networks out there. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Now back to the show. And we're back. Here are the three shows currently trending that I think you will enjoy. I present to you this week's podcast power ranking. At the number three spot, we have the coldest case in Laramie from Serial Productions. Ugh, Serial, I want to quit you so bad. You always manage to find such compelling stories and then ruin it with your patronizing commentary. This latest show from Serial repeats that pattern. Kim Barker, a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporter for the New York Times, revisits an unsolved murder that took place while she was in high school in Laramie, Wyoming, nearly 40 years ago. She confronts the conflicting stories people have told themselves about the crime because of an unexpected development, the arrest of a former Laramie police officer accused in the murder. Kim is an incredible reporter, and nearly everyone she encounters in Laramie gives open and sincere interviews, including the defense attorney, who probably gives one of the most candid interviews in the whole show. My beef with the reporter Kim is the manner in which she initially belittles the small town and its people. I was raised in a very small town in rural Maine with incredible, hardworking people. And it gets my goat when wealthier out-of-towners dismissed us as hicks from the sticks. But aside from Kim's snide remarks toward country folks, the coldest case in Laramie is very well done. And I'm excited to see this cold case heat up. At the number two spot, we have Stolen Hearts. 
Sergeant Jill Evans is a small-town cop in Wales with an impressive record in her job and a less than impressive record in her love life. After three engagements, two divorces, and one affair, she begins to worry that love is only true in fairy tales. That is until she meets Dean. He's a wealthy beauty entrepreneur with his own range of toiletries. Girl meets boy, boy meets girl, they kiss and fall in love, roll credits. But that would be boring, wouldn't it? Instead, this is a love story like no other. It's all going so well for Jill and Dean until Halloween night when Dean disappears and Sergeant Jill is left to pick up the pieces. I don't know about you, but I love hearing a story told in an English accent, especially when told by someone with such juicy romantic history. I'm very hooked on stolen hearts. And at the number one spot, we once again have Bear Brook season two. Jason Carroll is serving life in prison for a murder he says he didn't commit. The only evidence against him, his own taped confession. Okay, why isn't this at the top of the charts? It's the best show out there in my opinion. And that's all thanks to Jason Moon's expert storytelling and reporting. I totally have a podcast crush on him. There is a big revelation he reveals at the end of episode one. I was painting a wall and I almost fell off my ladder when I heard it. You guys get on the Bear Brook train now. Jason Moon, call me. Now for my miss of the week. It's the Murdoch Murders from Mandy Matney. It was a hit at the top of the charts back in the summer of 2021. Now that Alex Murdoch is in the news for his ongoing trial, the podcast is trending on the charts once again. Don't get me wrong, I listened to every episode when it first came out. The Murdoch story had so much meat on the bone and Mandy Matney was covering this bonkers case in real time. But man, it's a cringe listen and it definitely doesn't hold up compared to the other coverage out there now. I hardly ever say this, but I recommend watching the Netflix docuseries Murdoch Mysteries instead of dredging through the Mindy Matney podcast. And so I'm going to have to hit the trapdoor button on my podcast queue for Murdoch Murders podcast. Sorry, Mindy. Find out next week if Bear Brook season two will stay in the number one spot for another week or if a new show will take its place. Let me know what trending shows are in your top three and what show fell through your podcast queue trapdoor. I will also be back here dusting off another favorite true crime show from the archives for your next feeding fix. That's all for today's true crime feed. Don't forget to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I post links to my top three favorite shows of the week and bring you fabulous visual aids for every episode. Be sure to follow True Crime Feed on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to join the conversation. I am a brand spanking new independent one-woman show, so if you liked what you heard today, please leave a review and tell your fellow partners in crime to listen to True Crime Feed. Thanks for riding along and allowing me to be your audio accomplice. Join me next week for another feeding.